0: Forward slash the fighting cock to get started and to help the podcast thank you very much have a great day and enjoy the show it's time for today's lucky land horoscope with victoria cash
1: life's gotten mundane so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to lucky land you know what they say your chance to win starts with a spin so go to luckylandslots.com to play over a 100 social casino style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes get lucky today
2: Hello and welcome to The Fighting Cock Season 12, Episode 19. Uh, Big John Bass in for Flav, joined by Flonius Filth. Hello, hello. And Rab C. Nesbitt, a.k.a. Mark. How are you, Mark? Great. You're great. You've got a lot of nicknames, I've realised, uh, in the group. You've, yeah. had, you've basically had, what, um, Matt Nazbat,
3: Matt <laughs> Rab C. Yeah. um,
2: the, yeah. the Butcher, the Baker, the, the, the Monk <laughs> Shagger. It's, there's quite a lot of nicknames. Um, did you ever have nicknames yeah. in school? Is it or is this like the first time you're getting
4: nicknames?
3: Um, I did, but they were probably. I mean, they were more about you know ginger hair, being really skinny, uh, being yeah. short. So I don't know if that's better or worse. I mean, it's probably worse actually. Yeah, mm, it's quite you know, a lot. They've of, improved with age yeah
2: you've got quite a lot of um, a lot of markers for bullies i think a lot of indicators for them to get stuck in which never helps I, but I,
3: I think so i'm you know I'm, I'm biologically i was already uh, I was already s- struggling you know so um got the hack. #biology there didn't John? Um, but yeah, like, but you know, I put myself out there as well. I don't help myself so. It's, well, it's my you've,
2: blo- you've blossomed into a fine, um, fine young man, so that's that's <laughs> been a good thing. Uh, right, I, I'm skirting around the issue, which is that we we played Liverpool the weekend. We didn't win. Um, it was a second home defeat on the spin. Personally speaking, and I'm obviously going to get both your takes on this. That, in a weird, very perverse way, is probably the most optimistic I've been about the future of Spurs season um I know that people aren't happy when we lose I'm not happy when we lose I'm not saying oh don't worry we played well that's all that matters But I think as um as I said many times I do care about the way that we play and despite not getting the result in this game I can see that with all the things stacked against us if we could play like that with better players and recruitment's a big part of that there's definitely something there that I, I wasn't sure we had there was a level the way that we were playing there, and there were circumstances around that. I just didn't think we had. So I came out of that game uh, annoyed at the result, but kind of optimistic. So I just wanted to see and kick things off. T, let's um, let's let's hear what you thought, mate. I, I felt optimistic after this.
4: <laughs> um, I mean i've I've been optimistic all the way through. Really, I think Conte is kind of making do with the squad and the players that he has. Um, you can't legislate for errors, which is what led to the second Salah goal, but I didn't come away from yesterday disappointed or angry in any way, it was just, um, it was awful to lose. I don't think the first half was that bad, I feel like some sort of weird apologist, but I think we've had a lot worse first halves than that, it's just that um, Liverpool were clinical, so um, we take a while to get started, which has been well documented, I think we've been behind in our last seven games, I, I believe, at half-time. So, um, not half time, but um, so you've got someone like Salah, who's one of the best strikers the Premier League has ever seen. He's not going to, you know, pass up those chances. Maybe lesser strikers might have panicked with their second goal and, you know, maybe blasted it over the bar, but Salah had the composure to punish um, Dai's mistake. But no, I didn't come in from yesterday's game particularly upset. It's just that um, Conte keeps saying, be patient. You know, you've got to wait a few more windows to, you know, see what he can do. And I believe he's earned, I think he's earned it. I mean, getting us into the Champions League, getting us in the top of the group. You know, we're looking like we're going to be fourth going into the World Cup. I think um, there's a lot to be optimistic about. And I feel that, um, you know, in January we continue to build. I don't think we're going to get any, I don't think we're going to have another January like last year. We've got Kuliszewski and Benton core, but I believe that we're still going to get the building blocks in place for Conte to get to where he can get to, which would be you know when interpreting competing for the league.
2: Absolutely, Mark, How did you um? How did you feel after the game, mate? Because I think it was a bit of a roller coaster of emotions during it. But how, now, you've, mm. again, you've had a bit of time to process it. How how do you feel about the result?
3: I feel. I mean, look. Ultimately, we lost, and it was three points that mm. I thought. I thought it was it was very possible for us to to. To get a point, and I thought it was it was even you know also possible to 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 win. So so to not win was was sucks. But like you said, I think it was it's one of the 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 defeats that sort of you come away thinking, do you know what, we we didn't do too bad. And and again, absolutely, the the pattern: first half shit, second half good, uh repeat itself. But yeah, look, I th- I thought there were so many. Even in the first half, though, like you said, like we didn't we didn't we didn't look that bad. Even though Liverpool did did hammer us, it felt like a, a classic Liverpool game. You know, they, I think they had sixty odd percent, uh, sixty plus percent possession in the first half. So w- we did get hammered a little bit. Um, but it was a dire, total brain fart for the for the second one, um, and for the even for the first solid goal. Um, I, th- I thought there was way too much space for both Nunez to, to to assist Salah, who was just totally open in the middle. So I, I didn't think it was like a, a really poor team performance in the first half that led us to being two 0 down. And then in the second half, I and mean, we battered them in second half, we had we had we had three of three of our four big chances came from second half. I, I, I came away from second half feeling like this is something we can build on. And, and don't forget, two of our three best attackers were not were not playing. We only brought Kulusevski on twenty odd minutes to to, to to play, so we can't feel due too down. Although it obviously fucking sucks, and especially sucks li- losing to Liverpool, right? We always lose to those companies.
2: Yeah. So. yeah, no, for sure. And I, I think you touched on something there that there's there is context around this game. Like we we always lose to Liverpool. It's annoying, but usually I feel like we go into those games and there's like. Not necessarily always form with it because Liverpool have been a very good side of, of recent years, but we feel like we've got a chance here. This was the first game in a while when I was looking at it and thinking, I know they've been out of form, they haven't won away all season, but we are missing a lot of players, and particularly attacking players. We know we've still got work to do in terms of like recruitment, a World Cup around the corner that players are, are focused on. All of these factors are sort of adding up. So when you saw the lineup, um, T, when you saw the lineup with Perisic up top with Kane, are you. Were you concerned? Did you write the game off? Were you thinking he's not really got much option? What 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 did you think about the lineup when you saw it come out?
4: I just thought he didn't have many options. You know, um, I think a lot of the fans would have liked to have seen Brian Hill given a run, and you know, not Royale at right back, right wing back. But I think we can. I think we're kind of consigned to seeing Royale at right wing back and um, anyone but Brian Hill up front. Um, I don't think I think Moore was carrying an injury so he wasn't going to start the game but I saw the lineup and I thought well you know we've got the three five two, we've got the midfield kind of blocked out and I thought well we've got a chance I said I think I spoke to Mark before the game and I said I could see it being a draw and probably should have been a draw looking at the contrast of the game it probably could have been a draw even a, little, a, a Spurs win but I saw the lineup and I thought well I could see what he's trying to do trying to contain them but I don't think containing teams like Liverpool is helpful when you've got defenders who are prone to making errors and a wing back who doesn't attack in in um, Emerson Royale and Sessignon's um, form is kind of on a bit of a downward trajectory over the last few weeks. I mean, he got the goal against um, Bournemouth that's got us back in that game, but I think his confidence is kind of very, very low. Um, I mean, it was nice to see him get innovation ovation as Sessignon as came off, but it wasn't one of his better games yesterday. So um, with that backdrop, I kind of thought, well, we could still grab a draw. It wasn't, I mean, it wasn't like um, daggers at Conte when I saw the lineup.
2: Yeah. Mar. did you think there was much given the injuries and status of the squad? Did you think there was mm. much
3: he could, he could have done differently in, in hindsight? I mean, no, he didn't have many options. There, there are, there, there were other things he could have, he could have done. Um, he could have still, you know, he could, he could have put, Put Lucas in and Perisic uh, as as the left side a striker and and played a a three four three but it wouldn't it would have been probably too attacking for his for his liking i think um but i think we said that in the preview there there were a few options in there and you could you could have played a three five two with Lucas instead but again that would have been fucking dreadful um ultimately i i, I thought he did i thought it did well i mean it was it was less of a three five two and more of a five three two so more 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 defensive than we probably would have liked it to be um but as t said he's he's got Ceion and royale acting as our fullbacks um in in that sort of sense so so again not not great um although actually i th- i thought i mean i I was talking about cesion yesterday because i th- I thought at times he had he had uh on totally on toast um and there should yeah. have been a pen, I'm sure we'll come back to that yeah um but even the here kick outside the box as well. he rounded him several times um and 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 Trent had to foul him so yeah, I mean but but up front, look. I thought it was interesting to see Perisic in a, in a, in, a, in a in a in a position that we haven't seen him in so far. Um and I think he did really well. I think it was probably probably his best game in a Spurs shirt, which just says a lot about the character and 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 the, the the capabilities of this man who can who can play at an elite level at so many positions around the, the the pitch. Um so I thought it was it was positive for for those for those factors.
2: Yeah, I think um I think with with Perisic as well like the thing that we all are aware of is his age and the fact that he doesn't, you know, he can't necessarily like, he's not going to be able to sustain that playing every single game at that level. But what he does is that he really does have the experience to be able to just adapt. And I thought he was really good, like considering that he probably has not played there for a long time. I know he's done it at an international level. Uh, on occasion, having to play like right at the top of the pitch, I thought he played really well in that position. And then when he had to change position, we we still got a lot of output out of him. So I think he did really well. I think the the wider issue outside of selection, and maybe these two things are linked a little bit, is this idea of the sort of second half hot spur. And we had a, a question from John Howick who said, "Should we tell our players we kick an kick off an hour earlier so we actually start games properly instead of in the second half?" I think I think there is. Um, I think now it's pretty well um, kind of known that this isn't just like a coincidence anymore. There's there's like obviously some tactic around around this idea of like saving energy, whatever it is. But to your point, C, I'm, I'm not sure that this is making much sense at the moment because I feel like when we've when we've come out and had to play because we've gone a goal down, we've looked so much better being on the front foot to the point where we're forcing teams back. Now I get the argument of yeah, but they've got a goal, so they're gonna sit and defend that. I I do understand that as well. I'm just a bit concerned by this like whole concept of where we play a half to sort of save ourselves and then like try and win it in the second half. And do you do you think that was a factor in concentration? Because again, I thought Dyer had a great second half, and he was pretty fucking at fault for and um, well certainly the second goal. Is this a, like? Is this does this make sense? What we're doing here? This I, I believe that the idea is that we're going to conserve energy. Then, when you look at the running stats, like we're well at the top in terms of running stats. So, are we actually conserving energy? I'm not really sure. So, it's a confusing thing. I don't know where you sit with it, mate.
4: It's I don't know. Is it an admission that Conte has got it wrong in the, in the team selection and the tactical selection and the fact that um the team and the formation he starts it very rarely gets to the hour mark with the same sort of formation and tactics but you know um formations evolve throughout games anyway but um it's very high risk and when you're when you get to a team as clinical as Liverpool who are comfortable having a ball for 90 minutes we're not comfortable having the ball for 90 minutes so we can't really be in a situation where you know where we can try and contain teams because we just I mean obviously you can't have to build from the back but I mean, Dyer and Davies used to be fullbacks, so they should be better on the ball. But sometimes they look like they look they look all at sea. But yeah, this whole um, this whole opening forty-five minutes playing rubbish. It's oh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I don't really. I mean, obviously, Conte is there to be questioned. I mean, you know, he got. Um, he's not beyond reproach in terms of um, how he approaches games. And it's something that I feel a lot of teams are kinda of getting a bit wise to in that, you know what, they know they're gonna have an onslaught in the second half. Let's get a couple of goals in the first half. It's happened in the last two home games and um it's been the same result, losing two one. But I don't know. I mean Conte's stubborn. Um he's um I mean he's um he's achieved his objectives, which is I guess is get in the Champions League group and being within within being in the hunt for the title, like within ten points of the of the team at top. But it's just um I don't know, this whole um this whole half half thing is a bit stressful, especially in the ground. Um we're gonna touch on probably the booze at half time as well. I mean, it's it's easy, you know, being on going on social media and being objective after the game So you know what, you know, we're still building something, but it's not it's not a relaxing game to watch. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I think I mentioned on the last pod I was on that a lot of Spurs fans need therapy. And I think someone responded to me saying, Yeah, but Football is therapy. Supporting Tottenham Hotspur is not fucking therapy, mate. It's not therapy. <laughs> Go it's, out and get some, mate. Some yeah. angry motherfuckers out there.
2: <laughs> it's what keeps people in therapy. It's what it is. Oh yeah. It's part of the economy that draw it dri- drives people to therapy. So in that way, is is uh, is helping. Um, Mark, what what do you? What, I can't believe. Like I don't think I've ever seen a team do what we're doing. And for like three or four games, it's like it's just circumstantial. But this is a thing, isn't it? Like, and it, and to T's point, if it gets to a point where now it is a thing, and teams basically know we're not going to attack for the first half, and we, the bit I don't get is the playing back. We're like actively playing badly. It seems that I can't mm. get <laughs> this has got to change, isn't it? After the World Cup, otherwise this is insane—a a way of playing, <laughs> which is basically throw the first half and then see how you get on.
3: Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, it it. I think you will as well. Um, I, I don't think this is a, I don't think this is, this is, this is his strategy for the whole, for the whole season. Um, but the the schedule has been brutal. Um, and this has been his way of, of, of dealing with it. So I, I guess what you've got to do is, is, I mean, I guess we could do like a sort of a, it's not even a half the season, is it? It's like a third of the season by the time we get to the world cup or just over a third. Um, you could sit down and take stock of where it's gotten us to at the moment we we're, we're still fourth uh, we're we're a point behind Newcastle and third um manu even if they win the next game won't get above us into fourth um and we've got a a winnable game before the break so i think i think it's it's we have to look at it from a slightly more sort of well, we have to look back at how how it's been, rather than how it feels right now. Uh, once we get to the end of the the, the season or the halfway mark, um, I don't think it's going to be what he sets out to do after the World Cup. Um, I, I, you know, hopefully we get through the World Cup without too many injuries, and we'll see something that's slightly more akin to what we saw at the last, uh, the, the tail end of last season, um, where we did play better across the two the, the, the two halves. I do think, and I said this in the preview for the Liverpool game as well. I, I there's definitely something to. I don't think that's established by now that we're trying to conserve energy in the first half. But I don't think he sets us out to to play this shit. I think he just yeah. and we we see it in the first ten minutes, right? Like we play decent in the first ten minutes, and mm-hmm. then the players just fucking drop their guts and they they lose their heads a little bit. I just don't think they're they used to playing. You know, if if you're Conte, you're you're thinking. You've got to play pragmatic. You've got to play a little bit cleverer. Don't don't spend your energy on on needless dribbling or chasing after balls because you are set up a little bit more defensively. So you don't have to chase the ball so much. You've just got to communicate to your partners, and they'll help you out. They'll support you if you're caught in a in a one v two. Um. So, so yeah, I don't think he sets out that way. He doesn't. He doesn't want us to to play shit, and he doesn't want us to play flat and with no energy. Um. But I think the players may be interpreting it that way maybe subconsciously but but it's definitely not the way this is not the way he wants us to play it's 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 he sets out with a different idea and then it just ends up that way but and it, and it all kind of comes back to this point we like we need we need better players man um, yeah. I like that, the idea though that
2: he is going right first off play shit if there's a ball on, <laughs> smash it to the stand. Take a bad that's touch yeah. when you get time. Like, make sure you take that's a bad it. touch. If there's, a, if, there's an option, if there's an option to go long, smash it as far as you can. But, yeah. Right, he's obviously not saying play shit. I think whatever the instruction is, it is making the players second-guess themselves, which is essentially making them play badly. And I think it's clearly a plan. And if the plan is to somehow like muddle through until the World Cup, if you're muddling through and being in the top four, that's done its job now the reason i felt optimistic after this game is that I feel like okay cool they they can play they can play well which i didn't think was possible playing his system that there is a way to play exciting football and we we saw that we really were like attacking in a really good way and we also could have had a penalty tee when it was when it was 1-0 so we started quite well then we conceded then we had the pen, this penalty incident where the ball gets played into sesonnion and then he's in the box and I mean, I, I watched it immediately in real time and, and did the classic football fan thing and just shouted penalty because it's a foul on our player in their box. Now I kind of thought, oh, maybe it's a bit soft. Seeing the replay, that that's a penalty. Like it's it's an easy penalty for me to be given. And we saw it with the Cancelo one that was given like earlier that weekend. That's very similar. Should, was it a penalty, penalty for you, mate? And would that have, would that have changed the game?
4: I mean, I was at the other end of the ground, so. It looked a little bit like a shove from where I was, but um, the Cancelo penalty was soft as well. So, but it's the con- consistency that's the issue, not whether or not it was a penalty. It's just that for one game it won't be a penalty, and then for another game in the same weekend it it will or it won't get given. It's just uh, it's a bit shambolic. The players don't know where they stand anymore, and um, you know I was a bit harsh on Sessing on early on, and I might pointed out that he got behind. Um, Alexander Arnold, a fair bit during the game, and I feel that was frustration on Alexander Arnold's part because he just kept getting around him. And, and there was a shove in the back, he didn't make any attempt to go for the ball. And if he was given a penny and he put it away, that just that changes the whole complexion of the game. So, um, it is, it is frustrating, um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's as I, I think it's just the inconsistency that's the most frustrating issue here, not whether. Or well, no, it was a penalty. I mean, the rules should just be hard and fast, you know. It's, um, it can't just be a penalty in the and they're sending off on top of that for Cancelo in one game. And then I don't think Alexander-Arnold even got a yellow for, for that challenge either. So it's just, it's, it's fucked but up. It...
3: Well, if, if, if he'd, if he'd got a yellow, the, the ref would have been acknowledging that there was a, there was foul play, which he, which he didn't even do. And the, 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 the problem, the problem with the whole, like you said, it's definitely the inconsistency is the biggest problem. And what's, what's really interesting is the, the, our ref for this game was the VAR ref in, in the city (laughs) game. So he actually called the 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 ref. I can't remember who was on the on pitch ref there, but he called him to the VAR screen and went, "Oh, you oh, called him and said, oh, you you should look you should look at this because this, this you know there's a shove in the back. This is definitely a penalty and it's a red. kiss a sending off as well because it's a you know an obvious goal scoring chance.' Uh, so, uh, so he does that, and then literally the day after, when he's on the pitch himself, he doesn't see it. Like what the like what? Like the, that's an even bigger inconsistency. It's just so insane. They had a, a an interesting point on the View from the Lane podcast where they said that they he he he's probably seen the reaction to mm-hmm. his that the red card and the penalty on social media, and then that's in the back of his mind. And I sort of get human nature, you know, plays a trick on you and all that sort of stuff. But that's exactly why the fucking refs shouldn't be in Stockley park in the VAR box. It's, it's just the whole thing is so insane. It's just, it's ridiculous. And sorry, if I can answer um, the, the question to T as well, I think it definitely would have changed the game. I was scoring a a penalty at 20, 20 odd minutes when, and the game is one, one, all of a sudden Liverpool's actually got to, got to try and chase it. Um, to to try and get the three points because they need them a lot more than we do. It changes the whole complexity of that game. Um, so yeah. Anyway, so I, I think I'm still pissed off about that penalty. I've just realised now. Yeah, I am. Um,
2: at the time, I, I I was. I mean, I just tweeted immediately. I I just don't know what the rules are and. There were multiple incidents of inconsistency in this game alone. There was there was one where the ball goes up in the air. I can't remember who it was, but essentially like Salah gets caught a little bit on his thigh from like a trailing leg, goes down, free kick. The exact same thing happens to Golosevsky in the second half, nothing given. There was a Cess incident after the penalty, which was on the edge of the area, where Alexander Arnold again just does less this time than the one that was the penalty, and we get free kick. And that's the stuff that just galls me because I'm like, I, I hate talking about referees because I sort of think they're usually shit for both teams. But you only ever talk and notice about your side of of it. But I really felt in this game, it was it was bad. And I'm not saying he's like trying to make us lose, but the bad decision definitely fell our way, and that that was a
4: cause of frustration. They and should think, be in front of the fucking media. I feel as well. I mean, yeah. that's been mooted that they should explain their decisions, even if you know they go and fight the press and they make a howler. I feel that um, their decisions are, you know, they're costing teams money, costing teams league places, costing teams games. I just think that, I mean, I'm not expecting the Spanish Inquisition to be given the third degree about, you know, the previous day and whatever, but I feel that in terms of the decisions for the game, it should be at least asked to explain them because they might even educate the fans in in a way, you know, because there's little... Mm -hmm. I I don't read the rules. I mean, it's probably about hundred bylaws in the latest season's rules but there should be put in front of the press to explain the decisions they have to be is is that, that point now
2: yeah um, to, uh, to be honest I, I'm at my wits end with VAR because I just if the ref hasn't given it and then you can see on the replay that it's a penalty that is a big mistake and I thought that was the whole point of VAR is it's supposed to clear up obvious errors on the pitch the one thing that I, I always get wrong is I the offside thing which is slightly different it's not clear and obvious that's more to just do with is he off or on and that has its own bunch of fucking problems because it's to do with the lines so yeah I think it's I think it's shit I I think there aren't many people left who are holding on to VAR is the answer Um, it's fucking shit and I hate his guts so there we go Um, so that didn't help us not getting that penalty and us going in um, with a bit of a shocking first half performance we had a question from um, Frazino8814 who asks how do you get people to stop booing when it's halftime i get we're not great in the first half at the moment and it's a minority of fans but it gives spurs fans a really shit look
1: okay round 2 name something that's not boring a laundry ooh a book club computer solitaire huh ah oh, sorry we were looking for chumba casino that's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over a 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law. 80 plus terms and conditions apply. See
3: website for details.
2: I'm always torn on this subject um, because I kind of feel like people can do what they want. If they want to boo, they then fucking boo. Like you pay the money, do what you like. There's loads of things people do inside I don't agree with, but I'll give them the right to do it. Um But in this instance, you want your team to win. So I, I don't necessarily feel like that's the best to give them the best chance of of winning. Um Mark, where do you stand on the whole booing at halftime, booing generally for your team versus like cheering them on?
3: Yeah, I, I I'm not I'm not for booing. I think it's silly, I think it's quite childish if I'm honest. Um uh, you know, I like I get people's I understand people want to, to make their opinions felt, but it's it's just it's the worst and and least intelligent way of doing that, and, and I'm definitely not not a booer. Um, I think I think yesterday was just perplexing and, and really, actually quite frustrating um, as a as a as a Spurs fan who who goes to games and you know I, you know I pay my season ticket, I, I love going to games, but w- what are these guys? What are these people trying to do? Like it feels like they're actually starting to fuck things up for us. Like, like and Conte. Mentioned it after the game a um, couple of times. Um, like this, we know this man doesn't need an excuse to get frustrated with the club. So, so this, this doesn't help. You know what? What are you booing about? Like, we're behind against a uh, six-time Champions League winner and recent Premier League champions, Liverpool. Like, f- fuck! Stop him! Like, stop booing. As soon as you're the slightest bit put out by what you're seeing, like, I just I, I tweeted during the game. I was or maybe after the game. I was like, it's it's just it's so silly. Like you're not helping. Just, just if you if you want to help, support the team. If you're pissed off, go out and tell your mates because you 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 know you're gonna go see them even at half either at halftime or afterwards. Um, you're not you're literally not helping. They don't go into the dressing room going oh they booed us oh we should probably rethink what we're doing you know like they know. So anyway, I'd, I'd sorry. I, that was probably a bit of a rant, but like, I'm just, I'm, I'm so fed up with it. And like, after in first half as well, man. Like, the game is not even over. We have got 45 minutes left still. Anyway, sorry, Ranting.
2: T, <laughs> T, T, where are you at? T, where are you at? Are you a pro booer or anti booer?
4: Um, I'm anti, but I think fans have a right to voice their disapproval. We've got the highest season ticket prices in the country. They're probably for powers to can't affect the game. So. They've got to let out their frustrations the only way they know how. But anyone who does boo, go home, look at yourself in the mirror booing, look how much of a cunt <laughs> you see looking back at you when you're booing. So boo. bear that in mind. However, right, as I said, the ticket the tickets are expensive. They're frustrated. You know, they're not going to run into the pitch and start clumping players, so they're going to voice a disapproval by, by booing. I... Don't think it's an effective means of, you know, getting getting your point across because, um, you know, um, you look at, you know, Davies and Dow are nailed on starters for every game. And I think if we are where we want to be, then they should be nailed on starters for every game. So Conte's still got to pick them. I mean, I'm not saying that these guys are awful players, but I think if we are, I mean, Alderweireld and Vertonghen are better than a pair of them, for example, gotcha. and... We need players on that level to get us to where we want to be. Um, we've got Emerson Royale at right wing back. OK, the alternative is Matt Doherty, who's not exactly Carl Walker in his, at his peak. So there's a lot of gaps in the squad that need to be filled. And I think you just have to show a bit of patience because um, Conte is still making do. still pretty much making do. I mean, um, we lucked out in the January window having Kuliseski and Benton land in our laps. But there's still going to be trial and error in, in, in the transfer window. I mean, um, over the summer, we were all, I mean, on this podcast, we were largely happy with the transfer window, but I don't think any of them have um, lit the world on fire, not not in comparison to <laughs> the January 2 of Kulisevsky and Benton call. No one's been on that level. So um, we're still, it's, st- it's still a work in progress. Um, I think Pochettino, when he first came and he had these old problematic players, we had... Um, a good young group of players coming through. We had um Kane, um Mason, um yeah, we had Mason and a few other younger players who came in, and, and you know, Danny Rose, who was very much a disaffected player, and Con- and Potts found a role for him. And I feel that um, we just need to give Conte a couple more windows. I don't think booing solves anything, but fans have to be able to voice their frustration somehow. I just think that maybe they could expend their energy to. Just saying, come on Spurs, because there's times when we can see the goal and, you know, the fans are effing and blinding and whatnot. But then all of a sudden you hear a clap and say, come on you Spurs, come on, let's get back into it. And um, that's probably what people would rather hear. But, you know, we can't, we can't tone police 58,000 people nah. ultimately.
2: I think we need to, um, we need to co-opt it and like, re, like reclaim its power of the boo. So uh, my my pitch is that we play at half times always Sticky featuring Miss Dynamite, boo, and then <laughs> and then it just sounds like everyone's letting off gun fingers like garage skanking in the in the crowd. And then the players would be like, oh, that's a fucking banger anyway. So maybe they're just they're loving it. They're absolutely lo- loving life. So that's my that's my plan. Sticky, it, anyone from? Uh, yeah, exactly. Anyone who's responsible for the music at half time at Spurs, boo by Miss Dynamite and Sticky. That's the one.
4: Also, I saw her performed at an MTV Lick Party. I think it was in Huddersfield. Um, the song had just come out back then, so my age a bit, but yeah, it went down really well. I mean, it's a banger, it. Miss Dynamite. It's a banger. It, it is. It's, it's
2: like one of those tunes that you know when people go like, our oh, gigs talking the hardest should be like the alternative um, national anthem. Sticky featuring Miss Dynamite, Boo would be on my list um, for potential consideration. Right, let's um, <laughs> let's talk about second half, which was much better. Um, one of the, the the big things for me that stood out in this game was Basuma. I thought he, even in the first half, but particularly second half, he really stood out to me as like, ah, this is the player I remember playing for Brighton that we thought we were going to get. Um, Mark, were you impressed with Basuma's performance in this game? And is he as he turned a corner, Marseille hmm. and now and now Liverpool?
3: I, I think he's definitely getting there. Um, I, th- I think he's getting there. He's. Um... Uh, this this was by far, and there's no surprise to anyone. This was by far his 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 best performance in his first shirt, and he, he had a decent second half against Marseille. Um, but he was he was imperious in that midfield. He was he was he was one of our probably one of our three best players on the pitch. I think with with Perisic and and um, and Bentoncourt. Um But he he ran that midfield. He, he had the most touches out of all of them. Um, I think he sh- shared highest percentage um, at ninety one or ninety two percent success rate so he he was he was really effective but he was also incredibly active in, in the defensive stages so um he was everything we wanted from him he won his duels he wasn't afraid to jump into them um uh, i i thought it was a, a much 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 better p- uh, performance from him um he doesn't really chip in to attack which i think is something we might see people start to criticize about him he's 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 Coming into a, a bit of a hypey career arc here, where he starts out starts out a bit shit and then everyone hates him, and then I mean I think people are taking to him a lot quicker than they are hypey. But you're not really going to see much attacking from him for for a little while. He is more of a, a, a truest defensive midfielder. And um, but this was his most progressive. He covered the most ground uh, of any game I've seen him playing. Um, he's he's got a he's this this was the Brighton Basuma that we used that we used to see for Brighton going fucking out. This guy gets around and he just he sticks a leg in. He's not afraid. He works so hard. He's involved in the short passes and, and you know the turnovers and things like that. So um, yeah, I was really impressed and he looked good both sort of after the game in terms of highlights and stats and all that, but also just on the pitch he looked brilliant. Yeah,
2: he looked good, didn't he too?
4: Yeah, and um, something that like Mark kind of alluded to is that he took on the ball even when there were players on him and the players trusted him. So he's got a couple of players around him. You give Busuma the ball, you know he's going to emerge with the ball and pass it to to a white shirt. I feel that the issue that Spurs had a lot was that there's not players who can take this thing out of the game, hold on to the ball. We had them... Um, God, I feel like I'm talking about 16, 17 teams and all over again here. But um, you've got people like Musa Dembele. He, you give the ball to him, you, you just let him hold on to it, take this thing out of the game. And then, you know, let the team reset and then you, and you build again. I feel that like Basuma did that in parts yesterday where he'd have um, Tiago and a few other midfielders around him and he'd just get the ball, pirouette, pass it to another white shirt. And I feel that was an underrated part of his game yesterday because when we're under the cosh, it's good to have players who can be comfortable on the ball, in tight triangles could still do a little one two here and there and just take the sting out of the game. It was good that it was um he he chose his best game for that one because um he's someone who's well, it was easy to warm to you look at the training pictures and everyone loves him and um yeah it was it was definitely a good time for him to have his, you know, best game. I mean it's probably a shame that he's anybody got maximum hundred and eighty minutes left of football before the World Cup. But um I feel that after the um I think after the World Cup is over I feel he he'll be a staple in the team. Yeah. you're obviously mildly th- on at the World Cups, so you'll have enough time, yeah, I think you know another
3: th- thing that I think that I thought was impressive as well like and to you pretty much just said it, but he stepped up for this game like this this is a massive game in our calendar, um, and he was one of the players that actually stepped up i don't I don't think anyone massively stepped down, but I thought there was players that didn't have a great performance um even though Kane looked scored, I thought we looked a little bit uh, on his own, but you know he was because he was the only striker on the pitch um but I thought Perisic stepped up as well, and I thought Bentoncourt, uh, who I'm sure we'll, we'll touch on next, was stepped up massively. Um, we've seen Bentoncourt do this all season, but for Bezuma to really step up, and, and, and we know how good Liverpool's midfield can be, they want to be a bad run at the moment, but uh, Thiago is one of the best midfielders in the world on his day, um, and I didn't think we saw the, the Thiago we're used to seeing, um, and, a, and a big part of that was, was down to, um, to Bissouma. Yeah, I think... Um... I think
2: actually that that three in midfield it, it did work really well, and I don't. I'm, I'm genuinely what I'm about to say, Mark. I'm genuinely not saying it to wind you up. What I, what I do think we, we, that we will see with this potentially is that Suma playing so well in that sitting position, and Bentoncourt playing so well in the sort of box to box position. I do worry about longer term who plays in that the third. If we play three five two, the third person. Needs to be more of a like maybe a goal threat, right? Considering Mm. the other two, so if we carry on playing that way, I thought he was he was really good to Hoiberg yesterday. Was very just sensible. He didn't stand out, but I thought he played really well. But it it did kind of occur to me that actually you're right. But something that offers nothing really going forward But he's so good in that like sitting position, and he was excellent Mm. at just breaking things up, getting it, and like you said, little gives gives and goes and. Know, just keeping things ticking over. He was great there. And Bentoncore, I think, is I didn't think he was as um progressive as he is. Like he's a very good ball carrier, very good going forward. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um and obviously again, I'm doing what we always do, which is go, oh, you can only talk about first eleven and not a squad game. And Hoyburg brings a lot when we play the two in there. So I think it what it does is it means that we haven't just got Hoybier and we now have another player who can add something to this squad which can only be a good thing talking of good things uh t it was nice to see Kudosevsky come off the bench and with pretty much within minutes has just showed us what we all thought which is that fucking hell we've missed this guy a lot eight
4: yard eight yard seconds apparently as well um is there such a massive lift when he came on um I always since I was a child, a while when players come up from like a long term injury, I think, Oh my god, do they remember how to play football? You know? Um you singing see, a couple of stuff, like, yeah, he's not lost it at all. And um it was so lovely to see him back and it was good that he got the assist for Kenny. It's a very clever assist. Um you know gotta give props to Doherty for the pre assist as well, but it was lovely to see um Kulisewski back. I think he it was nice it was a home game as well, because it just gave the entire ground a lift and he gave, and it changed the game, really. Um, I think there was one, I think um before he got the assist, he tried to take it around Van Dijk and I thought, that's not going to work, mate. But then, in other way, it was a lot more, it's like he saw that and I thought, okay, I'm not going to take it around Van Dijk in the way that I he tried to tap it around one side the run around the other. That's not really going to work. But he tried another way where he just kind of, okay, right, as soon as Van Dijk gets near him, I'm going to tap the ball. It might have been Canate who was near him or Van Dijk, but it's a, First touch was gonna to go straight to Kane and it was and it resulted in the goal. I just love watching him play. His game intelligence is not he's not as nippy as um Richarlison or Sonny, but the way his the way his mind works every time he gets the ball, it's just a beautiful thing to watch. And um I just hope that he doesn't get another injury f- for the rest of the season because he just makes so much of a difference to our side.
2: Yeah, he was um he was incredible like the the difference of having him on and again this for me um, mark I think is what was another another tick in the box of optimism which is like we were actually playing well before he came on and then when when you just sprinkle um, you know another fellow ginger Nordsman into the the Spurs team <laughs> suddenly we we just looked we looked even better so how good how much of a difference does he make to us, like going forward? And and how good was he in this game?
3: I like how you uh, you just put the the ginger Nordsman in there to sort of butt me back up after you slacked off my my king and ruler, Pierre Mihajlović. There, that's well <laughs> yeah. done. Give with one well hand, done. take with the other. Yeah. yeah, you know what you did, uh, uh, mate. I'm f- I'm a. Uh, well, saying that, do you know what? Someone someone's going to dig out a tweet I probably did about Kulisevsky before we signed him when there was rumours about it. But I'm a I'm a huge fan of Kulisevsky, not just because he's ginger and and, and Scandinavian, um, but th- this game is a perfect reminder of how crucial that that guy is is to us. Um, you know, we we had, <clears throat> excuse me, in in I think twenty odd minutes, he had uh, a key pass, a successful cross he i mean he yeah, had 16 touches which is almost half of what kane had in the whole game again i'm not slagging kane off but i'm just it's just an example um he was absolutely crucial and obviously the assist uh, you know he was taking he was taking players on in a way that i don't I, I don't really see many other of our players do like he's he's just so he's so confident for a man who's 22 years old he's so confident in taking, taking on his his uh, the defenders in front of him. Um I just I love watching him play and, and and you could see how everyone got a lift as well. Kane all of a sudden is 10 yards further up because he knows he's got some support in in, in creating from midfield. Um like it, it's just that that's that's one of the definitions of really great players as they lift the team around them. Yeah. And and Kulisevsky is starting to do that for us. I don't want to like we, we we do also do this. i just want to temper this with the whole you know, Spurs fans, we're very quick, At as soon as a player is out injured, we, we muse about, oh my God, this player is so important to us, and Skip yeah. is a great example, right, we're like, oh my God, Skip's the best midfielder in the world, when he comes back, he's going to change everything, is out, Benton calls out, Skip's back, like, but Kulisevsky is that, like, he genuinely is, he's so fucking important to us, and it's just, it's so good to get him back, um, and I hope he plays I'm not sure if I want him to play against Forrest. I think we should have enough, but um, maybe comes on second half, but he should play against Leeds. He should start against Leeds because cause we need to get these last three points in the bag before the before the break. Yeah, and
2: I guess he's not going to the World Cup, so just get some minutes in his legs. And Yeah, exactly. And go from there. Yeah. Um, ben Foreman asks, despite the result, was the second half the most entertaining you've been watching Spurs this season? I can answer that very quickly. Yes. T, <laughs> what do <are> you think? <laughs>
4: Um, yeah, I guess it was I guess it was. I missed a bunch of games at the start of the season. One of them was um the Leicester six two and that was an entertaining second half, but I feel that yesterday just showed that and something I've said for the last eight, nine years that we can we can go against any team and give them trouble. And okay, Liverpool are in what, well, then I can't see that far down the league, are they eighth or ninth or seventh, whatever the fuck they are? But they're still Liverpool, you know what I mean? And we made them look ordinary for, for very long spells. And um I I'm I'm very high on Conte. And I think that it's not necessarily so much that the football is born, it's just that when certain parts of the machination, when certain parts of the machine just don't go how you want it to go, it just looks fucking dreadful and pedestrian. Yeah. But um the second half yesterday was 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 great to watch and um it's just a shame that it's a game that we lost. I don't like to eulogise over games that we lost. Saying, "Oh, you know, we played well, like with some, like with some plucky promoted side." You know, we we can't lose games and be happy about it. But I, I enjoyed the second half, and um, I sincerely hope that from Boxing Day onwards, that that second half is the first half of most of our games, where so we're just battering teams, and then you know, after the seventy-minute mark, we rest our best players and put the put the second string on that's what I'd rather see other than seeing you know first team players come on in the second half to salvage a game which is what Kulisewski almost did how about you Mark what, where do you think we're at Would this be yeah a- I mean sorry go on yeah
2: no go on just where 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 you think we're at in terms of this this being the most exciting half of football and where does this leave us
3: going forward yeah no no I'm, I, I I agree I think, I think it's I think it's up there Um like T said, it's it's always nicer when the performances are, you know, when you're rewarded at the end of it. Um, but look, it's it, it, it. There was lots and lots of positive. I think we, we've we've covered a lot of them already. But I thought there was a lot of really big individual. Um, and I thought, and also, if I can just uh, give a response to your high leg lagging off just before, because um, I I do again want to want to be positive about Bentancur. And I think you know I, I think you're right. If we're going to play a three-man midfield. And I've said this before, we need we need some attacking, some goal threats. I, I don't Hoybier and Bentoncourt are now gonna be well but at the end of the season I reckon they'll be about similar in terms of goals scored and assists and all that sort of stuff. But what Bentoncourt does offer that Hoybier doesn't offer is 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 an incredible emerging ability to 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 dribble. We saw a few sort of just amazing little dribbles in his. Yeah, if the man had half our total completed dribbles in that whole game. He had four dribbles out of eight for the whole team. He's he's emerging as some sort of I mean, he, he is the, the Dembele, the new Dembele. Like, he, he just is. He's, he's becoming Dembele that player region. for us. He is, yeah. It's, 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 and it's, it's brilliant, you know? Um, so, so, yeah, look, I, if, if this is the game that, that, that solidifies uh, Bentoncourt as, as two of the three we're going to be playing midfield after the January and summer transfer window and Hojbjerg goes on the bench, that, that's, that's fine. That's probably as big a praise as I can give Bentoncourt, isn't it?
2: Yeah. Uh, for the record, I don't think Hoyberg will be on the bench for some time, and uh, <laughs> I, been, I don't think so either. He's been, he's been one of our best players this season. I'm just making the point. It just—it suddenly occurred to me, actually, that what we what we need is at least competition. It shouldn't be a no-brainer, and it currently is a no-brainer that he has to play every game because he is you know, our best, if not arguably one of our best midfielders. It's just nice that we've got some competition mm. in there, which is which is really good. Yeah. Yeah. Um all right, I think that's enough about Liverpool. I just wanna um a couple more different topics just while we're while we're together. Uh, it's been one year of Conte. So I thought it'd be useful just to um see how we would summarize his tenure so far. We had a question which which maybe you could just tie it together T. To, uh f- Fipit Larick, I think I've got it correct asks like a do or something yeah, do we think Conte will be given what he needs this season for the following one to get top four, two to challenge for at least one trophy to sign a long term contract and get Kane to also commit to a new deal, so what do we think of Conte's tenure so far, and what does he what does he need to do this year to what does he need to be able to like actually be successful this season
4: um Fairly happy with his, with his tenure so far. Um, I prefer to think about how he ended last season, you know, with the Everton-Newcast performances at Wat, at Wat Hart Lane, um, smashing up Norwich in the last day of the season, beating Arsenal at home last year, April or May, I think it was. Um, I think it's largely positive. He hates losing, but it's in a situation where, you know... Um, the boogeyman's name again, Positino said many moons ago. This is gonna, this is gonna be a painful rebuild, and we're in the midst of it. Mm. We're in the midst of the rebuild. Um, the that window, the 2019 window, his last window, we signed Um, la Celso, Cessignon, and Jack Clark. And I came at that window very, very happy. I thought we're gonna do well. Though. I mean, Jack Clark will probably get loaned out, but the three, the three other players, I thought they were gonna do really well. And it turns out that Sessing on to getting more games, but he's not having the last thing is he's not playing very well under la Salsa are loaned out and they're not doing that well where they've where they've been loaned out. And um I think Jack Clark's been sold now, isn't he, to, to Sunderland? So we're in the midst of a rebuild. Conte's got to oversee it. His reputation is one of winning trophies everywhere he goes. And um I think all things considered, we have got to consider that we are top of the Champions League group. We're we're gonna be in the top four and I can't see the club not backing him in the next few windows. I think him and um, Peritici are, you know, a good pairing. I think Peratici knows what um, Conte wants. There's, I mean, even the window before Conte joined, we had, um, there's a bunch of players there who probably, a lot of them probably need to go. You um, have got Brian Heal, who I don't think is a Conte sort of player. Emerson Royale, even though Conte always darts him, I don't think that's someone who Conte would have necessarily signed in terms of his attributes as a, as a right wing back. So, there's an awful lot of work to do. Um, you know, we've got you know we've got Tanganga and Sanchez still in our books, and I think the majority of our the majority of our fans surely would balk at seeing either of those two start in a game. And we're only a couple of injuries when we seen them two start a, a yeah. run of games. So there's a lot of work to be done, and I think Conte is a bloke to to carry it through, but. I don't think we're at our final form by a long shot right now, but the year has been the year has been great. Um, as for a trophy, I think a trophy is a bonus more than a necessity this season. It would be nice. We're definitely good enough to, to win a trophy. The teams have won a trophy in the last 14 years who we are considerably better than. So it would be nice. I think a trophy is just an award for... Because Lloris is probably in this testimonial season and has not won a trophy. I think... For players like Hugo Luis, Hingmin Son, who have been at Spurs a while, it would be lovely to see them lift a trophy in our colours and you know, um, and also the way things are, I think Kane will sign that contract, but it would be nice if he signed a contract, having lifted a trophy.
2: Yeah, always always softens the blow. Mark, what where what, where are you at with Conte, like for his first year? And what's he mm-hmm. gotta do this year to be successful?
1: A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW reporting were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
3: Yeah. I think T said most of it there. Um, thanks, T, for taking the bread out of my mouth. Um, the the um, yeah, it's 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 literally all, all that T said. I, I totally agree with all of it. I, th- I think he's done really well. Um, I think he had a tough he had a tough task when he came in. I mean, you look at some of the dross, absolute dross, and and look, most of it is still out on loan. Let's not forget, we've got Joe Roden and Harry Winks and Lucchese and M Dumblay coming back. Alfie Whiteman as well, I think, still on loan. So so there's a lot of players, and he he you know he's just kind of postponed that a little bit or. or uh, you know, Parasch has. Um, so there's still work to do, but in terms of the players he's brought in, I mean, there, there has been as much as play, some, some fans, I don't think want to maybe recognize it, but there has been an immediate impact from a lot of the players that he's, he's brought in. You, you think of Basuma, uh, you know, Longley lay and Richarlison, at least if if, even if you're not fans of those players and you're like, they're shit, they've given us depth. They've given us options rather than the, the, the tosses we had there, uh, that's a bit harsh, but you know, I don't mean that. <laughs> Rather, the, the players we had to stop with. So, look, the, the, there's there's still plenty of work to do, but you can only be satisfied with with what he's done for us. You got us top four over over Arsenal last season, and this season we're still in the top four as well. So, like, yeah, but uh, you can only be happy with it.
2: Yeah, I yeah, I think that's completely fair. I mean, I think um, I think I've been pretty vocal about that. I don't I haven't uh, to date enjoyed the football that i back the guy to be the guy that's going to get us to where we want to get to and you know i think the re- the reason for that is all the reasons that you've given right there's there's a long way to go before he can actually formulate the team to play in the way that he wants to play to get the results and to to do it in a in a fashion that is more appealing on the eye so he's only you know he's limited by the tools that he's got at his disposal and also time, like football now is so immediate. He's only been here one year and there's a there's a you know, a raft of managers, Pep, Klopp, uh, took multiple seasons to win trophies with teams now who are like, ah, oh, they're just, you know, they're elite teams with amazing players. It took Pep a little while to win the league. It took, you know, Klopp a couple of seasons to get that Liverpool squad into the shape they wanted and mold it into the way that he's going.
3: Well, four four seasons for Klopp it took. Four years there go. to do there anything. Go. He was they were fucking trash for the first two of them.
2: There you go, and now and now people are sort of losing their minds about you know what the scum are doing. It's like, but again, that's taken them years to get to this point of going. We need to get rid of him. He's not good enough. Back him. They back him. Oh, he's still not good enough. And now they're starting to be in a position where they're looking better. Right? We we have only been one year into this project. Uh, the signs have been pretty good in terms of the recruitment so far. You know, if, if, again, if you look forward to next year, let's assume that Jed Spence isn't <laughs> hasn't got some sort of. Um, problem with him that it means he actually can't play football and the club are just covering it up he's actually a good footballer and Conte wants to develop him and he sees him as a young prospect who he wants to develop. Next season we, we should hopefully see him at least be rotated in. We've got Destiny coming next year who's ripping it up in Serie A. Same thing right? maybe there's a bit of time for him to develop and get used to the way. But That's two really exciting young prospects we're definitely going to do some business at centre back so again like we had some quality there we definitely need an attacking midfielder so that will be an exciting change And we've seen when we lost Kulusevsky how much of a big issue that caused to our squad. We need another couple probably of those sort of attacking players. I mean, City have a raft of them to be able to call upon. The the best clubs have multiple players that can play in those positions to really like help. That's what we're missing and that does take time and a lot of investment. So I think we just, all of us, either like me, you're not like head over heels in love with the football right now um, or you're really invested. Either way same thing applies which is we've got to give someone a good run at it. This guy's C V and what he's achieved in the game and what we've already seen like with some of the performances and results that he's managed cool. to get. He's the guy. Like we have to give him that time. So um let's see what happens. I think this year if we can consolidate Champions League, go far in that competition would be great. If you manage to pick up an FA Cup or a League Cup that'd be great. Um so that takes me forward. There's two more topics before we before we go just very quickly. Um, I just mentioned there, we're picking up a trophy. We're actually playing the Carabao Cup this week. Did anyone remember that? Did anyone just... I, I kind of I forgot. completely forgot about it until literally five minutes before the pod. <laughs> uh, we're playing Forest away, at the Carabao Cup on Wednesday. Yeah, um, I'm going. I, I, okay. Oh, he's going. Jeez. So, going. Right, well, let me ask you then, Mike. Um, <coughs> should we try and win the Carabao Cup? Because isn't it like you, we can, you can basically be in the final by January and it feels like no mm. one's going to give a shit about it because of the World Cup. Or do we just chuck in a load of youngsters and see what happens? What What are we going to do?
3: Well, isn't isn't this the one that City's won like five years yeah. in a row and they just fucking love it because they yeah. can essentially... Essentially, Pep looks at the Carabao Cup and just go... EFL Cup and just goes, ah, oh, this is a great chance to test out my, you know, my squad depth and my, my bench because he just plays a total second string 11 and still just wins it at canter. Um, so, I mean... Look, Pep is being um, he's being pushed in the league for the first time in a, in a while, so maybe that's our maybe that's our window. Um, like fuck it, like, look, we're we're Tottenham Hotspur, we can't be snobbish about winning trophies and that. As long as it doesn't have a detrimental impact on us getting top four, I'm, I'm all for it. Fucking go for it, um, and look. Um, you know, we'll probably see Jed Spence. So yes, A lot finally, there's
2: only one thing <laughs> I want in this world is to see Jed Spence play for Tottenham. I don't even know if he's any good. I'm just so committed now to the idea he should play. I love it. It's
3: just, everyone's just, just doubling down. I I'm just this. obsessed.
2: I'm obsessed. <laughs> Until he starts playing games, I'm just going to basically think of him as Cafu. And and that's how outraged I am. I'm sitting there going, we've got Cafu on huh? He's not fucking bringing him up. Peak Cafu's been pied up. <laughs> Emerson Royale, I'm fuming. That's how personal I'm taking it because I just said oh. it. he should play and now I'm I'm doubling down. Um, T, do you give a shit about the League Cup? Do you want us to just play all the kids? Where Where are you at with this one?
4: I've long said that the league cups would be scrapped. Having said that, I would fucking love it if we won yeah. it. Um, this is the last trophy that we've won. Um, but you know, because of the World Cup, you know, for all of us, ills, if the if the Carabao Cup was when it was supposed to be, and not in the fucking middle of November, then we would have seen the likes of um, Jed Spence and even Saar, who probably wouldn't have got a game anyway. See a bit more of them and have a bit more of them. Um, you know, see what they're about. The annoyance that the Carabao Cup is now is that Jed Spencer's been there for two months and they've barely seen him. So it would be nice to see him. I think he's got to start. And I imagine he will start. And um, yeah, we don't need that many games to win it. And yeah, we should definitely go for it. Absolutely. I just think um, either scrap it or at least the absolute minimum, make the semi-final one leg. That two-legged bollocks is a waste of time in January, especially when you've got the FA Cup games to contend with. But no, absolutely. If we, we, we should, we should go for it. I don't think we're going to games intending to lose, but I think, you know, we we'll would probably see Spence and Sarr start the game and that should be enough to get us through this round.
2: Yeah. Talking of, um, this would be the last thing and then we'll, we'll leave it for today. Talking of trophies I'd like quite like to, I'd fancy winning this. I, I, this would make me slightly happy. The champions league, uh, the draw we got was AC Milan. Uh, Obviously, a bit flashbacks to um, the epic win in San Siro back in 2012. Uh, different side, different times. We were very new to the Champions League at that point. They were the, the big European powers. They still remain the European powerhouse, but the gap between the two teams is... And even to some extent, we may have kind of exceeded them in terms of where people see our, the quality of our squad. Uh, what are your thoughts, Mark? Are you happy with this as a draw um, for the Champions League? Do you think we can get through this tie? Um, I think the tie is, again, is next year after the World Cup. But do you, yeah, uh, do you think we're going to get through this tie? How, how confident mm. are
3: you? Yeah, I mean, well, it's, it's hard to say now. Like, it's, it's not until February. But, but it's, it's. I think it's a really good. I think it's a really good option for us. Um, yeah. Milan are like a good. They're a good level for us. That they're, they're not. They're not terrible, obviously. They wouldn't have got to the last 16, but they're not, they're not the strongest side either in there. Um, they've got some really good talent, some young players coming through. Everyone's losing their shit over Rafael Lau, yeah, uh, the new Portuguese hotshot, who does look absolutely outstanding. So it'll be... I mean, look, it'll be just see him play live. So, you know... Um, but I, I think we can get through it. I think we've got a really good chance. Conte is obviously going to know AC Milan inside out and um, so that's a that's a massive bonus for us um i don't i know you know a lot of players a lot of people are saying that the same is true about milan versus conte but but he's a you know he's a different beast uh every club he's been at so so yeah look i, th- I think it'll be really interesting and i think it'll be a good matchup for us and I, sadly i won't have a chance to Go to the away game, but uh, I'll be there for the home game, and I'm looking forward to seeing some of this, uh, some of these new talents they've got. I spoke to one of my Huddie mates today. Um, I don't actually; he's not on my radar. But their their keeper, Mike Manyan, is 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 a, a really, really very good France French keeper as well. Um, and obviously, he's they've got uh, up. he is he's injured, so real shame. So it looks like Lloris will be playing a lot. Um, so yeah, they've got a few. They've got a few. Um, Obviously Giroud plays for them, Tomori ex Chelsea plays for them. So there's a bit of a there's a bit of a UK
4: vibe going on there as well.
2: Yeah, T um yeah, we don't give a fuck about ACM, we're gonna smash them up, aren't we?
4: I fucking hope so, but it's a sign of our have come that um we're drawing teams we've got a little bit of a recent history against. Um you get these probability little matrixes that come up when the first round is over and the CE can draw and we had um I think it was either Inter Milan, AC Milan or Dortmund teams that we've played already. Yeah. And it's like, well, you know, they've been in Champions League so long now that it's like, oh, we've played them already, been there, done that. Um <laughs> I went to the San Sierra back in twenty ten, the Bella hat trick, so I'm not dying to go back to to this to the game in February. The police treat us like fucking shit anyway. So not enough to go back to Europe, but it's just a nice draw. Um, I think we're two well-matched teams. Uh, you know, there was a fear of us getting PSG, and I think that hopefully gets postponed for another round. I, I don't think we've drawn them yet in, in Europe, so it would be nice of us to see Messi in action again in, in the flesh, but it's a good draw. It's, it's a winnable game. I little I know about AC Milan, and um, as I said on Twitter, hopefully we'll have a couple of new signings then who are illegible and good enough to make an impact
2: yeah for sure i am i'm really happy with the draw i realized uh watching the the marseille game and when Bier's goal went in i am all in on the champions league it's my favorite thing about football by by some way like i i basically realized that the premier league is almost impossible to win now like and it's going to get harder the champions league is obviously the like the elite competition but in some ways because it's a knockout competition is more chance of... I mean, we saw it with ourselves getting to a final. You can you can do that um, just as a one-off. And I appreciate that Real Madrid just win it every year now, but there are teams who can get that far, and we, we have enough sort of quality and also experience now where I don't think it's out of the realms. So I'm not saying this season, but I when I, as long as we get a favourable draw, I'm past the point of I want big teams because it's nice for Spurs to play against big teams. I want to go as far as we can. See where it takes us because I want us to win the Champions League. (laughs) So we shall see. Um, All right, boys. I think that's uh, that's enough for us. Um, Been a pleasure, T. Thanks so much. Cheers. Absinthe bit, aka Matt Nazbat, aka Nazbat. Thanks, mate. Been a pleasure. And (laughs) thank you. Peace. Speak to y'all soon. Come on, you Spurs. Up the Spurs.